Hey, I'm Sophie. And I'm Sophia. And this is the That Showbiz Baby podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of season two, which is exciting. Um, We wanted to kick off the episode today with our fun segment, This Day in Music History. So, Sophia, um, I mean, January 19th was kind of a crazy day throughout history, we realized. So, would you kick us off with your fun facts? A lot of wild stuff going on January 19th. Um, But yeah, I will. So, first, we want to wish a happy birthday to Janis Joplin and Dolly Parton. They were both born on January 19th. Janis Joplin was born in 1943 and Dolly Parton a few years later in 1946. So, happy birthday to those music icons. Now, I'm going to fast forward to 1988 when the manager of Bon Jovi and Motley Crue... Doc uh, Doc McGee, pleaded guilty to importing more than 40,000 pounds of marijuana into the U.S. from Colombia via a shrimp boat. Uh, He received a five-year suspended prison sentence, a fine of $15,000, and was ordered to set up an anti-drugs foundation. So... What a... What a great time. 40,000 pounds. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Also a shrimp boat. That's kind of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, um, we can go on a little further to January 19th, 1993, which is when Fleetwood Mac reformed to perform at Bill Clinton's inauguration. So that's pretty fun. I actually read about this in Stevie Nicks biography called Gold Dust Woman. Sounded like a very interesting time. I would recommend for an entertaining (laughs) read. (laughs) Um, And on January 19th in 2017, throwing it way forward, um, yet another another story of crime. (laughs) The former business manager of Alanis Morissette admitted to stealing over $7 million from the singer and other celebrities. So this manager, Jonathan Schwartz, was charged with fraud. However, he initially denied stealing the money, and his alibi was that he had invested it in an illegal drug business. So that's interesting, and I'm not sure that was a great cover story. Yeah, <laughs> but... that seems questionable. <laughs> so, <But> anyways. <laughs> yeah, January 19th. Um, this is just, like, the surface level, too. There's a lot of wild stuff that went on. But now we are going to welcome our good friend, Sam Gibbs, that's going to talk to us about her time at USC, uh, her zine that she created, and her experience in the music industry. So stay tuned for Sam Gibbs. Sam Gibbs is a current senior at the University of Southern California. She is studying communications with a minor in music industry. On campus, she is the executive director of Concerts Committee and a DJ at KXSC. She also helped to create Gen Zine, a platform dedicated to amplifying the voices of Generation Z. In the industry, Sam has had internships at a variety of companies, including Live Nation, CAA, and most recently, she is currently interning at Dimmock. As she is graduating very soon, Sam hopes to be an agent and also hopes to start her own music festival. So, Sam, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. 
All right. So we like to start off with like a fun question for all of our guests. So sorry to put you on the spot, but do you have any music you've been listening to and really loving recently? I mean, I feel like I have to say the obligatory answer and say driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) But also, let me think about it. I've been listening to a lot of role model recently. Um, Emma Chamberlain's boyfriend, shout out. That's not his own, (laughs) but I'm like obsessed with her. So that's his title to me. Um, Also, like a lot of Joji. He put out an album a few months ago that I haven't listened to until just now. Um, and as always, I listen to Travis Scott like every day, but that's not me. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, so we kind of wanted to start off with how you ended up at USC and how you chose your major and minor. Yeah. So I like to say that I knew I wanted to go to USC since I was out of the room. Um, my dad went to USC. He graduated in 1990 and from the moment that I can first remember, he told me and my brother about his experiences at USC and how much it meant to him and how much it like basically changed his life. Um, and I went to so many football games and events as a kid. And so I knew when I got into high school that USC is where I wanted to be. Um, but it wasn't until I to- like officially toured as a sophomore that I could like really see myself being there. And I remember, um, Walking into Annenberg, like the building itself, the new Annenberg building, not that old crusty one. <laughs> I was like, whatever this is, I want to do it. At the time, I was really interested in being a journalist and doing that. So mm-hmm. Annenberg was like the perfect fit. So I decided to do comm as opposed to journalism because I felt like it was like a wider range and like more variety in the major. And then as soon as I got to USC, um, I joined concerts committee and then I declared my minor in music industry because I realized I no longer really wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to do stuff in music instead. And so I was like, what better way to do that than to start studying music industry outdoor? And the rest was kind of history. Nice. Do you ever, because you want to go into music, do you ever regret not being a music industry major? Or are you happy with how it ended up? You know, A lot of people ask me that and I don't regret being a comm major because it really, you know, I do really enjoy the classes I've taken in Annenberg and it's taught me a lot about sociology, theory, like everything I learned about racial theory, social theory, like gender theory, any sort of like woke politics, whatever, like it's all from Annenberg and the discourse that you have in the classes there is so rewarding for me. And I love to talk like I never shut up. (laughs) So being in a a school, like a major where you're encouraged to have interesting discussions in almost all of your classes about things that are really important and like modern and not just like, you know, stupid history or whatever. It was really, really beneficial. And it taught me a lot about what I was interested in besides music. Um, And that's kind of, it also gave me Gen Zine, um, and I wouldn't have met my two co-founders, Eden and Anushka, if I wasn't in Annenberg. And Gen Zine has really launched like so many things for us and for a lot of other people and for me. So I, I'm glad that I had a different major because it taught me so many things. Um, but I'm also glad that I got to have that minor in Dorton because that was super, super helpful for what I want to do in my life and my career. So I'm glad I got to do both. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So you are our uh, director on concerts committee, which is so fun. So how did you discover your love for throwing shows? I know you said you got started right away. So like, how did you find concerts and how did you get involved? I was like that kid that like would research everything before even like starting at school. So like I knew all the names of the clubs, like I knew like all the names of the sororities, like I knew like everything about USC that I could possibly know. And so um, one of the things that I was looking for as an incoming freshman was like a a way to like throw events. Um, In high school, I was on student government and I was on the part of student government that threw like the school dance and pep rally and spirit week. And I loved organizing those events. Um, It runs in my DNA because my mom is also an event planner. so I nice. knew I wanted to do something with that, but I was like, you know, I wanted to be related to music because that's what I love. And so I literally hunted down the concerts committee booth at the involvement fair. And I was like, I've been looking for you guys. And like, you were looking for us. <laughs> and then, you know, I went to the first few meetings. Um, this was in the spring of my uh, freshman year because I was a spring out of it. So this was like January. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I came day of for Spring Fest that year and I was helping out with risk, with you know, running for hospitality, which you guys know really well, um, that I was like, this is what I want to do. Like the the organized chaos of it, the creativity, <laughs> how close everyone got. It was just something that I couldn't see anywhere else. And also it was amazing to me that a group of like under 21 year olds could throw such a professional and well-attended concert with insanely amazing artists that I was like, okay, this is something that I want to do. And I immediately was like, the people here are my people. Like these are the people that I'm going to be coming up with. And this is what I want to do. So it was really like an immediate kind of understanding once I kind of got into the club. But I wouldn't have known it otherwise, I don't think. I think I really think like anyone that is on concerts committee can agree that the club itself, even though sad not this year, is really like a really great way to figure out if live is what you want to do. And there aren't really any other clubs like that at USC. Like there are other music clubs, music orgs, um, music lover places, like, you know, but there's really only like one concert group and that's us and so I think it was kind of meant to be for me when I discovered them um and yeah I mean it just kind of like all fell into place after me joining I was like I'm declaring a music industry minor like music is my career like and that was it so kind of sealed the deal for me yeah no I totally agree like the first day you like actually do a concerts committee show and you're backstage for like 15 to 18 hours or something crazy and it's really hard but the people that are just at the end like wow that was so fun are definitely like you can for sure tell if you're meant to be in live from those experiences for sure what would you say is one of the biggest things you've learned from being on the executive board for concerts um you need a lot of money no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) um i think one of the things i've learned is that even though you know, you might be a student, you might be young, that if you, you know, prepare yourself and you are professional and you're confident, people will take you seriously regardless of their position, their age, their experience in the industry. And if you really, you know, understand their attitude, understand where they're coming from and are able to answer their questions fully and professionally, 
they will be impressed with you and they'll want to work with you. And I think before being on the executive team, I wasn't really sure the relationship with the agencies or any of the labels, anything like that. And it definitely depends on the people that you work with for sure, but also depends a lot on you and your personality and your behavior. Um, and if you don't know, you know, how to talk to an adult in the industry, that's okay. But obviously, like it really throws you in there. It gets you talking to them directly, answering the phone for them, answering any of their questions. And if you're not ready for it, they'll definitely know. So I think one of the things um, that I've re- like really ingrained in my mind is like you need to know the answer to literally every single possible question you could ever think of when it comes to your event. And if you don't know the answer, then no one else does. So you need to be 100% prepared at all times when you are talking, even to your peers, to the rest of our executive board or to a professor at USC, anyone, the Daily Trojan, like any sort of party. If you don't know the answer to a question, they're going to assume that you don't know what you're doing and that your event is not going to end up successful. And they honestly might be right. I think being overprepared is really important and something that everyone should strive for. Obviously, you can't prepare for everything. We couldn't prepare for COVID as much as we maybe yeah. tried or wanted to. But as long as you know what you're talking about and you over-prepare, over-analyze, go over everything, you'll be totally set. And I think before I thought there was like some sort of magical charisma, like something you needed to get these people on your side. But the truth is, is that they know when someone is talented or prepared or professional and as soon as they see that and they understand that attitude you've unlocked their trust so it really just goes so far in being a friendly positive prepared person and they'll kind of it'll it'll let you succeed beyond anything other anything else really that you could do thank you for your wisdom sam (laughs) very good advice (laughs) um can you tell us a little bit more about your experiences at live nation and caa yeah, sure. So I worked at Live Nation in the summer of 2019, which was like almost two summers ago now, which is crazy. Um, it was kind of a crazy summer. I was in the, this is like my title. It was like the longest title. So bear with me. My title was Digital Product Innovation College Associate. So they don't call you interns at Live Nation. Um, they started this like college associate program that we could like be taken more seriously, whatever. Um, I worked in the data department, um, which was really, really not what I was like aiming for, but they put me in that department and I learned a lot, a lot about how valuable our data is to companies and how they use our data, um, how they get it, how they gather it, what it means, and also how it relates to like the concert and music business um, and how Ticketmaster and Live Nation like have all of these like resources to gather data on people and like sell them concerts that they would like to go to. Um, but I would say like, you know, being there, a lot of people, I think even like professors at USC, like left talk about how live nation is evil and Ticketmaster is evil and they're evil, evil, evil. Right. And so I was honestly so thrilled to work there because I wanted to prove everybody wrong. And the truth is, is that while I don't agree with all of their business practices, the people there were so incredibly nice to all of us and so incredibly smart that I learned so much from everybody, even my other college associates. And, you know, it was great. You know, I got to go to some concerts for free. That's always fun. But being in an office like that where they own the whole building and it's very, very like 
you know, the floors or the different departments. And they were like, you should go around all the floors, introduce yourself, get to know the departments. It was very free flowing, open workspace. And you could feel kind of like the creativity and the collaboration throughout that. And I think a lot of people think that Live Nation is super corporate and like super like whatever, but the New York office was so, so awesome. And people were super, super friendly, creative, like great people. So that was like an amazing, like one of the best summers I've had. And then CIA, I worked at this past summer. So it was entirely virtual and it was for a month. Obviously wasn't what I was anticipating going into the summer um, when I got the job. When I got the internship in February, I was supposed to be going into the office. But the month that I spent with them really solidified my desire and my, you know, choice to wanting to be an agent. Um, CAA is very different than Live Nation. I mean, they're obviously in different sides of the business, but I was really expecting to be scared of the people, be intimidated because a lot of people talk about agents are really cold. They're really cutthroat. Like it's a very like fast paced business. It is very fast paced for sure. But every, again, every person I met, every music agent, touring agent, even Rob Light, who's Beyonce's agent, head of music at Jay, so incredibly helpful and friendly and inspiring. And, you know, you could tell that they really wanted us to be there and they wanted us to learn and they were so excited to meet us. Um, and I would say working at an agency virtually, obviously, I didn't get that like typical mailroom experience. I wasn't, you know doing that and doing the other things. But I still really got to learn a lot about what it means to be an agent and the process that it takes to become one, which is a very lengthy process that no one ever talked about. But it was one of my favorite experiences I've ever had, and it was completely online. And I definitely drank the CAA Kool-Aid, that is for sure. They definitely, (laughs) like, they were, I mean, it was impossible to not, like, to not not want to work there after the end of it. but I would say for anyone that wants to work at an agency, first of all, work at CAA. But second of all, um, you should go into it expecting it to be a very interesting experience. One, because you're going to be doing mailroom stuff probably. But also two, you're going to be around probably famous, very famous, high profile clients. So it really would prepare you for like when you're maybe an assistant or an entry-level position to be around those types of people. I think one of the things that I feel least prepared for, I don't know about you guys, but just being in school is like, you know, obviously this is something that you can't really prepare for, but talking to high-profile celebrities and talent and dealing with them directly is something that agents do every single day and also managers, anyone really. So getting to hear from them how they navigated it starting, like someone like Rob Light, how he got to be Bruce Springsteen's agent, that kind of story. And he himself is a fan. So kind of hearing those specific personal stories kind of allows you to be like, okay, so it's not just me that's going to freak out if she sees Katy Perry in the office, you know? So it was really helpful in that way. Um, And yeah, it was just like a great, I'm so thankful for all, I'm so sorry, my dog is barking. Um, It's okay. I'm so (laughs) thankful for all the internship experiences I've had. And um, I guess the only thing I would say for anyone that's thinking about interning at these companies or interning at any large company is to make sure that you're not just kind of like sitting there waiting for things to happen for yourself. Um, The best thing I ever did was reach out to like everyone in every single department and just be like, can I meet with you for 20 minutes? Can I talk to you about what you do? Can I have coffee with you and just like 
shoot the shit, whatever. And everyone is so willing to do that. And it's the only, it's the only time and place that you're really able to get these people in front of you talking to you personally. And so talk to as many people as possible, ask everyone, anyone, if they need help, if they need something, whatever, and make yourself accessible and available for everything. And they will see that and see that you really want to be there and that you are extremely, extremely willing to help. And that'll go so far. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of just right off of that, you're currently at Dimmock. So how is that? Like, what has that experience been like? I started this week. So oh, nice. exciting. <laughs> yeah, Um, it's been really, really interesting because so Dimmock, if the people listening don't know, is the record label that Steve Aoki started in high school. So it's very, very like ingrained with his culture, his personality. But the most interesting thing is that it's not a traditional label in the sense that they have a roster of artists that they manage and handle. They only do releases. So it's a release-based label. So it's totally different than what, you know, I was expecting, but it's a really, really great learning experience. I mean, I've only worked there for three days so far, so (laughs) I haven't done too much, but the things I've done have been really, really interesting to see how a label that doesn't have a roster kind of handles different artists, different teams and how that works. And they honestly have a really great, you know, workflow. And obviously it's totally remote, but I can tell, you know, just from being the slack that they're a great group of people, the culture seems great and fun. And yeah, I really like it so far. It's kind of out of my comfort zone because I'm not like an EDM head at all, but <laughs> it's definitely going to open me up to that more than I have been exposed. And I'm excited to spend the semester with them and see how much I can learn. Um, yeah, I'm hoping I get Steve Aoki on a Zoom call one day. We'll see if that's happening. I'm not so sure. You can you can do it, Sam. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> and that words of encouragement. Of course. So uh, do you have any, like, crazy internship stories that you can tell that come to mind? I don't know if I do. I'm trying to think. I guess the funny one that isn't from the ones that I talked about. Um, last spring, pre-COVID, I worked at a really small marketing agency called The Spellbound Um, They do a lot of, like, marketing for legacy clients, like The Doors, Jefferson Airplane, Janice Shopping, like, a lot of dead people. Um, so that was really interesting because, one, like, doing marketing for dead people when they're dead is, like, so bizarre, but also makes so much sense. So that was an interesting thing in itself, but I think the the funny story that I have is that they asked me and the other intern if we would model their merch for them. Um, <laughs> so I, like a couple of times, we would go out and like walk down, we were in West Hollywood, like walk down the residential street and do these like iPhone photo shoots um, in the merch. And I would literally like, I would, I'm like, okay, like what, I don't know how to model, like I'm. I don't, I'm a music industry kid. Like, I don't know what this means. So, you know, the other intern took my photos and we uploaded them. And I started noticing that they would post the pictures of me on the like actual band Instagram. So the Doors Instagram posted a picture of me in their merch. And <laughs> my friends were all tagging me in it. And I would read through the comments and some of the comments would be like, wow, she's beautiful. Like, She's so pretty. And in front of the people would be like, those jeans are awful. She looks way too young to listen to the doors. And I was like, these people don't even know me. I'm just an intern. What? <laughs> God. It was so funny. And they still post some of the pictures to this day on the variety of the Instagram. You know, sometimes I like to keep the comments to see what people are saying about me. So I guess that would be my funny 
intern story. Um, I had to model merch for those people. Um, yeah, it was quite an interesting time reading the comments about myself. But what do I recommend? If you're ever curious what people would say about you as a model. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Wow, living the influencer life. I know. I should be on now <laughs> after that experience. Um, something something else really cool that you have done. Um, you created Genzine. So can you explain like what Genzine is and how it came to be? Yeah. So Genzine is a media platform for anyone that is in Generation Z to talk about issues, topics, articles, anything that comes to their mind that they feel is important to our generation to talk about. We really want to like break open those echo chambers and talk about the issues that are super taboo that people don't normally talk about with each other that we want to kind of just break it open and be like, let's talk about this. Let's dissect it. And so when I was a freshman, um, I took an upper division communication class called Designing Media for Social Change. And that semester, we were working in conjunction with Vice, and they were doing a documentary series about women across the country with Gloria Steinem. So the whole class was like watching this documentary and talking about women's issues and like feminism and how media can help amplify and create social change. And so our final project was something and have it be in the theme of disciplining the body, like gendered violence, because that was what the um, documentary centered about. So myself and two other classmates who were also freshmen, we were the only freshmen in the class also, um, Eden and Anushka, we created a zine, which is like kind of a magazine, but a little bit more grunge, a little bit more DIY. And we did it all ourselves. Um, we wrote all the articles about disciplining the body, gendered violence. So some of the articles were about dress codes. Some of them were about period poverty, a lot of different things. And we published it and we printed out copies and we, we obviously presented it in class. And we decided after we did that, that we liked it so much that we wanted to keep doing it out of the class. And so we did another issue that summer and the theme was multiculturalism. And then after that, we just kept going and kept growing and expanding. And we published Hatch Account. One, two, three, four, five, six issues to date. Um, and now we have an Instagram, a website, a blog, a podcast, um, potentially a documentary coming soon. Um, so we've done all these things and we've, expanded to be like a contributor program so anyone can write for us and we have an art team and it's just like crazy how much we've grown um but the main message still is there about amplifying voices of gen z and talking about issues that are important to us that you know mainstream media doesn't cover because what for whatever reason they're not important enough or they're not relevant enough and so one of the one of the most important things that i've learned and that I think people really value about Gen Z is that anyone can write about anything and it'll relate to someone. You know, we had someone write an article about having an STD. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially our age, are terrified of that, but also don't worry about it at the same time. You know, it's not like a thought many people have, especially when we have a terrible sex education uh, curriculum in our country. And we wrote that and the, the response that we got on our Instagram was so overwhelmingly positive and supportive and saying, I've never thought about this or being like, this, this happened to me, you know, and just getting people to think about these things, talk about them with each other and to make them less of a secret taboo sort of thing. And that's what Gen Z is really all about. Um, and we're still going. 
Um, we're planning our final college issue right now. Tears, tears. Um, and after college, you know, we're probably going to continue, but who knows where we'll go after that. And it's just been a wild ride. The three of us in our team now is so much bigger than when we started. Um, yeah, it's just been wild the whole time with Gen Zine. That's awesome. Everyone listening, go follow Gen Zine on Instagram and you know, read all of their yep. stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, so we have one last question and you might not have an answer to it because things are really up in the air, but do you have any post-grad plans? The answer is no. <laughs> it's not because okay. It's not that's what a lot of people have been saying. So no worries. <laughs> it's not like I want the answer to be no. It's just simply too early for music and entertainment mm-hmm. careers Literally. for recruiting right now. And also like, Hey, we're in COVID still and like no one's hiring. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you know, my lease at USC doesn't end until July. So I'm ho- um, that's my date. That's my timeline. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give myself the summer. Because normally I would be like, oh, I need a job at in May. I don't think that yeah. right now and I don't think anyone would argue otherwise. But my plans are to get a job. I just don't know where, how, or when. So that's the plan. Just not sure how to execute yes. it right now. Um, <laughs> I would love to work for CAA. I have no idea if they're hiring. That would be great if they started hiring right before graduation we'll see though i literally end up anywhere i'm really open to anything but i do want to stay in la so i won't be leaving anytime soon but i will know where i will be working for quite some time so no i don't have any plans as of now um but i'm no worries to find them soon very nice yeah (laughs) well thank you so much for coming to interview it was so fun to talk to you and can you uh um tell the listeners where they can find you like drop any socials you want whatever thank you guys so much for having me if you guys didn't know sophie and sophia are my hospitality directors at concerts then they are queens so thank you um (laughs) you guys can find me i'm just gonna plug i mean my personal instagram is sam.gibbs but if you guys want to follow at usc concerts and at the gen zine to support our endeavors and my endeavors that would be great and you can find all of my stuff there. Thank Perfect. you guys so much. Yeah, Amazing. thank you.